Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Thank you, amen. Good morning. Good morning. I love Jesus. Anybody else love Jesus? I could almost tell it in that worship this morning that you really love Jesus, right? And what an awesome experience. And I I, uh, try never to take for granted a chance to talk with you in the Word. And I I sometimes, because my passion is greater than my words to deliver, I want to make sure that I connect with you and that we are exchanging information in a way that's helpful. Is that okay? So that's why I ask you to talk with me. But I'm so excited about God and Jesus Christ and what he has done. I say what he has done because he's already done it. Doing is for me. That's the way we, our perspective. But he's already done it. And if we can get in line with what he's already done, I think that'll help us. Is that okay? So I have a few scriptures I want to talk with you today about. And if you can put that word up, I don't know if they have priority. I want to talk with you about this word today, priority. Now, that word could go a lot of different ways, right? And you've probably heard a lot about it. Uh, but I want to I talk with you about it in a way that uh, perhaps becomes real practical today more than anything else. Uh, there are some big theological ways to talk about it. I'm not that deep, so if you need some theological discussions, I'm open for lunch and coffee. I do those kind of things. But I don't think in 15 or 20 minutes I can go that deep. Is that okay? So I'm counting on what you already know about the Bible to help you guide us through this and walk through this. A long time ago, from the beginning of time, God promised something to humanity. And he said uh, to humanity, I'm going to give you something I know you long for. We want a place where peace never ends. Is that right? Human beings. Everywhere you go, people just want peace. Is that true? We want where we don't have to continue to labor for what we get day in and day out. You know, you gain it today and then you got to get up tomorrow and reproduce it again. We want stuff to last. Is that right? Does that make sense? We want a place where we can walk in and be accepted for who we are. Is that true? That we, 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 we can't help it who we are. We are who we are. We were made like we made, but we hate it when we walk into a place and people reject us because of who we are. We want to be acceptable, right? We know we're different. We know that we have our weaknesses and whatever, but we don't want to be judged by those things. Is that true? We want a place where we are not judged. We want a place where there's equity and justice. Is that right? We don't mind people being successful. We just don't want them to walk over us. We don't mind folks having their meaning of what success is, but we don't want them to down ours just because we don't think the same way. We want to live where we feel fulfilled and where we feel like we are connected and where we feel safe. Is that right? God made a promise that I'm going to give you a place like that. He made that years ago, way back at the beginning. And he said, you'll know when I'm delivering on that place because Jesus will show up. That's when you know I'm delivering on what I promised. Does that make any sense so far? Then he said, not only will Jesus be the sign that I'm delivering on it, but he'll be the way into it. 
Anybody know what Jesus' message was in the Bible when he preached? What was his primary message? Repent, kingdom of God is at hand. Any other thoughts? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I get really confused sometimes, so it's easy to do for me, so don't follow that. But <sighs> The message seems today to be more about being saved and going to heaven. And I find all kinds of people talking with me about what it means to be saved, can you lose your salvation, all kinds of things they get into. And I think to myself, ah, something's got to be wrong because being saved wouldn't be excited to a broke man. If you're broken, you need money. And then you heard that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and on the third day he rose again and now you're okay. A broke man would look at you crazy. Well, what's that going to do for me now, he'd say. And that's sort of what the world is saying to the church. I understand all that heaven stuff, but what about now? They look at us funny because they think we're talking about, you know, just suffer it while you're here and, you know, tolerate it. And when you die, and they're like, no, no, I don't want to die. You're talking about life beyond death. I want to live. Yet we have a Jesus who said, I came to give you. But we talk about what happened after you die. What about now? That's a challenge. How many of you know Jesus said in John, I am the door? You heard that? I'm afraid a lot of Christians are stuck at the door. You're loving the door. You're worshiping in the doorway. You're blocking the way. Because that's the only way in. And if you get stuck at the door and don't go in, you miss more than 90% of the promise because you're stuck at the door. I love Jesus. Me too. I love Jesus. Jesus everything. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to get in. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, but Jesus. I understand that, but that's the door. And I hold that in that verse in John, he says, and anyone who goes in through the door find pasture. Is that right? And he's like, I don't want to be stuck at the door. Because Jesus is not only the door, he's the king. You understand that? He's not just the door, the savior, the way I get in. But he's also, once you get in, you'll find something that we're going to talk a little bit about today that does exist because God promised it. And it's bigger than that. Matthew chapter 4, if you'll look at it with me. I think it's verse 23. There it is right there. I first want to prove what Jesus talked about all the time. And I'm only going to do it with a couple of scriptures, so that's why if you need help, you have to have Bible study with me. And I'm open. Fridays are good. Okay. I don't mind coming to church on Wednesday or Thursday night around 7 if you need to. Or I can do Sunday mornings after church because I think this stuff should be talked about. Jesus spent a whole day talking about what I'm about to spend 15 or 20 minutes talking about. All day. What does this verse say? Come on, read it with me. What's the good news about? And he healed. I'm proposing that healing is a benefit of the kingdom, not an act God wants to do on you. Good. I'm proposing that there are benefits of entering into the kingdom that are automatic and expected so you don't have to labor for them. Because we wonder, how come God healed them and didn't heal me? And think of something about us. 
As an American Christian, I repent from my selfish, individualistic view of Christ because I always thought God saved me, healed me, delivered me, gave me a ministry, gave me a calling, and I was supposed to do what I supposed to do, what he called me to do. And I think that that mindset gets us off sometimes. I don't have a ministry. I'm called into one to participate, but I don't own anything. Does that make sense? So when we think about this kingdom thing, I'm thinking that this follows entrance into the kingdom. Did you see it like that? Jesus went about teaching and preaching the kingdom and healing. That came after the preaching and teaching of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Let's look at another one, Matthew chapter 9. And verse 35, and I'm, I'm not going to do many of these, but I'm going to talk about priority, all right? I promise you it's going to be about priority. Read it with me. Is that good news? That's good news. So what should we be talking about when we're out and about? Come on, it's not that confused. I promise it's not a trick question. I told people, I got to get over this. But people think I'm, the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. We're supposed to be talking about the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is the door in. How do you get in there? How can a man enter, uh, Nicodemus said, you can't just walk in, you got to be born again. There is a way to get in. But the good news for a poor man would be there's a government coming that has equity and fairness and justice, and there'll be no more poor people. Because that government owns a thousand cattle on a hill, and he'll supply your needs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You know this one, right? You got this one down. Yeah, me too. All right, you got it? That don't even sound right to some of us. I mean, we don't do that. Watch the part we don't do. We don't really depend or believe he's going to give us everything we need. Hmm. Let me show you another one real quick. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Start like verse 57. I want you to really listen to this because this is a story, these stories here, where Jesus invited someone, hey, come follow me and be my disciple. And they said, okay. But I want you to listen because I'm going to point out to you why I titled this priority, okay? I want you to hear in this verse what did they talk about was most important to them when Jesus asked them to follow. Read for me. How many of you got that? Here Jesus invites them to come and follow him. They said yes. Then they said, but f- let me first, me first, me first. I hold that one of the struggles of Christianity is we don't really check our priorities. We hear God, but we still think about me first. Christianity doesn't work very well if the kingdom is not first. Prayer is not as effective if the kingdom is not your first priority. You walk in misery as a saved person If anything else is first. I read this scripture. It used to bother me, so I never talked about it. It said, except a man hate his father and mother and his wife and his children and even himself, he cannot be my disciple. Christians, stay away from that. Because God can't be talking about hating somebody. (laughs) Like, whoa, he said that. What did he mean when he said that? And I hold that many of our priorities, even as believers, go unchecked. And we hold to things as more important than the kingdom, that are more of a priority than the things of the kingdom. 
And we will never be as effective as we need to be, as we should be in this world, because the kingdom is not our priority. Maybe being saved is. Maybe God's healing is. Maybe world peace is, but not the kingdom. Hmm. I would hold, Jesus said to them, in order to be my disciple, you had to hate those things, mother, father. That was not to get into the kingdom. That was to be a disciple, a learner of the kingdom. You know, if I go to a foreign country, I have to have a sponsor when I go to a foreign country. Is that right? I can't just come over here and do and be whatever I want to be. I have to have a sponsor because a sponsor is someone who knows the land and the laws and the culture, and they help me to learn how to get around and maneuver and manipulate through the system. Does that make sense? It's funny. We want to come to Christ's kingdom and never be sponsored. We think we know how to live in his kingdom, but he says the first step of it is to be discipled. You have to learn this. This is a culture, a kingdom. This is a rulership, an authority over a domain. Uh, let me give a Bible example uh, for you Bible scholars. Forgive me, I won't quote the scripture verse because I don't remember it. But you know the story of Bathsheba, or Queen of Sheba, visiting Solomon. Everybody know that? Solomon becomes this great king. He's known as the, great, the biggest and greatest king in the world. Well, the king, Queen of Sheba hears about that. She wants to go check that out. Why? Because in the world, no one wants a king that's bigger than them. They want to be the biggest, baddest, the bestest, and the mostest. So the Queen of Sheba, the Bible says, goes to ask Solomon some hard questions and check out what he got going over there. So she brings a caravan of gifts and things to Solomon. And she decides that she's going to visit him. And in those days, kings didn't visit other kings to say welcome to the throne. They came to the town to show their power over that king. So they bought big gifts to show I'm bigger than you. I'm more than you. I am the best. So she bought herds and flocks to show Solomon, hey, there's a queen in Sheba who's bigger than you. And the Bible says when she pulls up on Solomon's property, she noticed his farms and his cattle fields are much, much greater than hers. She rides for miles through his kingdom looking at all his land and produce and the houses, the communities, and the people. And the people, the poor people in his kingdom was greater than hers, was greater than the people in her kingdom. In other words, they were not poor. They lived wealthy. Then she gets into Solomon's court, and she's floored by how his servants look. She's in awe because they eat better than her people. The servants do. You getting that? So then she sits down with Solomon, talks to him, and then he expounds on things she couldn't even fathom. She's blown away. And then she gets ready to leave, and Solomon gives her ten times what he gave her or she gave him. She goes back to her place floored. There's a king in Jerusalem that's awesome, more than me. Do you know why that's important? Because the servants of the kingdom testify of the king. How you live reflects on the name of the king. For my namesake, for my namesake. If you're poor and begging, that says something about your king. If the servants are living below standard, that says something about the king. If you got a, a, a kingdom full of sick people, 
that says something about the king. God's name is reflected in his people. For his name's sake, I should have joy. For his name's sake, I should be healed. For his name's sake, I should live in abundance. For his name's sake. Because is he a just king? Is he righteous? Is he giving? Is he kind? Is he merciful? It should be reflected in me and you. People should know the king by looking at his servants. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm afraid that sometimes when people talk to me, they get a wrong picture of God. I make them think sometimes God's prejudiced. He's a black God. I make, I make them think he's a respective person. Well, if you don't do this, God's not going to accept you. I make them think they got to be good enough. Oh, no, you can't come in here with that. Man, the reason that happens is because I got saved, but no one ever taught me the priorities of the kingdom. Jesus spent all day teaching about the kingdom. And I can't get you to sit down with me for an hour. Yeah, because if I have Bible study for an hour to talk about the kingdom, you got things to do. I was wondering to myself, why in the church sick people don't come to church rather than stay at home to get better? The Bible says all kinds of sick were brought to him. I was sick, stay at home. Is God present? Why do sick people stay at home if God's present? Is there healing in his presence? Why we stay at home? Look like the door ought to be broken down with sick people. Because there's an atmosphere of healing in this culture. You see, a kingdom includes this culture. Kingdoms have cultures. They generate cultures. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if we live in the kingdom, we ought to have a culture identity that exemplifies the kingdom. That people ought to come here and go, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can get healed here. I'm thinking that's what it's supposed to be like. I mean, Paul didn't walk around in shadows healing people. You mean I got to come to church, do all of this stuff, get into this moment, in this place, then get healed? Seems like to me I ought to be get around two or three of you and get healed. I'm just saying, if you believe the Bible. But if you make healing and everything an individual thing, there's stuff you will put on people for requirements. If it's an act of God because you did something, that means the people who want that same thing have to do a similar act. And if salvation is so personal, then no wonder people think they have to be like you to get saved. I'm just saying. Let me share a couple points I think are really important about the kingdom. And you can tell me what you think. I have to read it, so I need these just for a moment. But if it's about the kingdom, God should be recognized as the Lord and God over all things. You agree? Everybody in agreement say amen. amen. This is personal. It's your agreement. If the kingdom is real then it's up to you and I to understand that God deserves to be recognized as Lord and God over everything. Amen? Amen. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Is it true? Does he reign? Okay. Don't forget that. How about in the kingdom, because the kingdom is important, each and every individual of the kingdom should recognize and acknowledge God's sovereignty and authority and rulership by submitting to his king on the throne. Hmm. Every 
one who's a member of the kingdom ought to be willing and ready to demonstrate that by their obedience to the king. You say yes? Is Christ on the throne? Is he ruler? Come on, I'm going to challenge your priorities in a minute. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to challenge your priorities because you're saying this. And you represent me too. I represent you too. I wouldn't want anybody to say to me, Tony, I heard somebody say they didn't want to be a Christian because they know you. And I find testimonies like that. They don't tell me the people's name, thank goodness. But they tell me, I don't want to be a Christian because I know some Christians. That's bothersome to me. You're members of the kingdom. You're supposed to love your nation. You're supposed to hold up your nation. You're supposed to represent your nation. You're supposed to stand in the gap for your nation. And your nation is the kingdom of God. How about this? It should be that we personally and individually acknowledge him as king through submission to his word, by obedience to his commands, and trust in his promises. Hold on a second. I demonstrate my priority of the kingdom by obedience to his word and trust in his promises. I know. Make it plain, Tony. I don't quite get that. Me too. That's what I struggle with. If he is the God sovereign over heaven and earth, has all power in his hand. How many of you agree to that? Give him a hand praise if you agree to that. Give him a worthy one. I know, I know. Now I'm going to catch off guard because why is all that necessary? I'm agree, I'm tracking with you. Okay, so sometimes you're not asked to participate in the thing because it's necessary that you participate. I'm going to prove to you that this has something to do with your priorities. If he's king and sovereign and he promised you some things, then you should count on those promises because he's a worthy king. He's a faithful king. And if he promised it, you ought to act like it. Is that true? If he said it, you ought to trust in it. If he's a righteous king, how many of you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Hey, listen, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not short, slow to answer you, man. Listen, he's God. And you may throw me in the fire, but I'm not worried about that because he can deliver me. However, if he don't deliver me, that ain't changing my mind because it ain't because he can't. He may choose not to, but I'm still standing firm. How many of you know that in your lives? That you and I have to live like that. He's still king, but you are here in a predicament. But he's king. Still a good king. Still a righteous ruler. Still has all power. Well, show him, let him show you power when I fire you. Well, he's still got power. You may seem to get away with something, but he's got all power. And when we live like that, what kind of people would we be? If we believed him as king, what kind of people would we be? He's made some promises. One of his promises is that, you, Jeff mentioned, he would never leave you or forsake you, right? He that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, Right? He promised you, don't worry about tomorrow, for he will take care of it. Is that right? And I'm going to show you how competing priorities still get in our way, because we know that. And the reason I said to you earlier, I don't want to get theological because I'm too practical myself. I think we have to be able to leave here with things we begin to do. Is that okay? Listen, I've told you before, I don't want to just come to church and see y'all. You're beautiful. But if all I did was come in and see y'all and raise my hands, I, I'm not coming. 
It's not worth it. I can go to a movie theater or somewhere they play the music louder or whatever. I come here because I love Jesus. And I want to connect to you. Because I know the power of God works in the community of his people. But I also come here because I want you and me to see everything God's got. That's my passion. I can't be at home satisfied with me. I want to see God's people experience his glory. The glory of God is demonstrated in the lives of his people. The care of the king should permeate the people of God. So when I see somebody outside the kingdom, I long to have them in. I don't just want them saved. I want to see them experience the full benefits of being in the kingdom. That's why Matthew said, go into all the world and teach them and baptize them to obey everything I've commanded. The words obey everything I commanded means they get everything I promised. Not to just do what they're supposed to do. But you're supposed to make sure everybody you meet gets the promise of God. Does that make any sense? You and I supposed to love seeing others prosper in the kingdom. So much so that we're looking to contribute to it. That's what the kingdom calls for. And I hold we put ourselves before the kingdom. I hold a lot of us, my favorite people, still say to God, let me first. I'm guilty of it. Too many times I say, let me first. Yet I want to be a community with you. But when I get ready to leave church, I've told you Tony is shy. You don't believe it. He is. When he sits there after sermon, he gets through with a sermon, he's ready to go. He could hit straight for the door. That Tony has to force himself every day on Sunday to make sure he goes say hi to somebody before he leaves this building. It's not because he don't like the people he's supposed to say hi to. It's because something inside of him don't want to. So Tony has to force himself every Sunday to obey the king rather than what he wants to. Come on, somebody. I know what the Bible says, but how many times would you say to yourself and others, well, but I don't feel like it, or that's the way, not the way I feel about it, or no, nah, that's not the kind of person I am, or no, that's a little outside of my comfort zone, or no, you understand, we all have different personalities. How many times you say that to yourself as a reason not to go beyond and do what the king wants? Oh, yes. Well, I'll just offend him. I'm not going to say anything. Like you can't be loving. You can't tailor your words to the grace and kindness. You can't come up with a better plan or solution. You can't even just take the risk of trying. You trust his promises. And in the moment that you need to say something, i give you what to say. did not that spirit say that? You just be willing. I'll give you what to say. Most of us labor over things God wants us to do because it's not comfortable and convenient for me. And I hold that's putting you before the kingdom. I hold that a lot of stuff we don't see in Christ is because we never really check our priorities. I could ask you out loud, hey, is Christ first for you? You go, yes, yes, I love Jesus. I do too. But if I were to really micro-examine, a few behaviors and habits you and I have. We've never checked those habits.
to see if they align with the kingdom. We've never checked those behaviors to see if they align with the kingdom. We've never submitted things that should be submitted to the kingdom. Now, let me take you just a little bit deeper by going back to the scripture about mother and father and tradition, all those kind of things. But I want you to first look at Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was talking to the disciples, and I don't know if this one's up there or not. Or he was actually talking to the Pharisees. I believe it's like the 13th verse. Chapter 4 of Matthew. All right. Really, I want you in 6. First of all, starting at verse 24. Someone just read for me. Does that make sense to you guys? No one, neither one of us, nobody, it's impossible for someone to be faithful to two masters. That's why the word priority is really important in our lives as believers. Because every desire, every hunger, every tradition, everything that you and I are programmed with fights for lordship against the kingdom. Church people, Jesus said this to church people, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you can not enter the kingdom. This kingdom is about his domain, his rulership, his lordship. And how many of you know God is king and has dominion over everything? But under God, there are other domains. There's the domain of work. There's your individual household domain. There's the domain of your country. There's the domain of your city. There's the domain of your town. But watch this. There's the domain of your emotions. There is the domain of your thinking habits. There's the domain of your own will. There's the domain of your own personal comforts and desires. And when God wants to be Lord, he wants to be king and Lord over every domain. Got that? So except you hate your father and mother, wife, and even your kids, watch this. That's not necessarily talking like what you think. I won't go into it today, but I want to draw a practical thing from it. I have allegiance to what my mother taught me. Do you? The things my mother taught me, I'm aligned with them. I have an allegiance to them because it's what my mother taught me. It's what I grew up with. It's all I knew. Christ comes into the picture. He challenges everything my mother taught me and said, which one would you hold to as your truth? Would you hold to what your mother taught you, or would you give it up for what I want to teach you? And I hold we work so automatically off of the way we grew up that we won't let God teach us new. Culture teaches me. Experiences teach me. Failures teach me. Hurt teaches me. Everything teaches me. But, and that means I won't allow him to teach me. Because I got some things I want to do first. And you can't even be my disciple if you're not willing to let go of those teachings. Do you understand me? I love my mother. She was right about everything she said except the stuff she said out loud. She was right about a lot of it. But I found some things that she wasn't complete about, that she wasn't accurate, that she was missing, that didn't apply to everything, that didn't work everywhere that wasn't totally reliable, but I built my life off of them, right? Let me share something with you. This is, I'm thinking I could share this with you. 
have been transparent enough. I can share this with you. My mother told me, hey, don't hang around white people. They just want to kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tony, why would your mother tell you that? Yeah, because my mother grew up in a time when white people wanted to kill you. Why wouldn't she tell me that? Everywhere she went, that's what it was about. So she taught me what she knew, right? She didn't know that wasn't everything. But you got a king who wants to rule over your life, who has dominion and power and authority in every domain, who wants to teach you how to live under the prosperity of the kingdom. And in order to live under that kingdom, you have to denounce your allegiance to every other teaching. Tradition can't be your Lord. Religion can't be your Lord. The way it is can't be your Lord. The way you want it can't be your Lord. He has to be Lord. Paul said, I count everything I got as loss, not worthy of holding on to when it comes to Christ. Yet some of us walk in with what we have, trying to prove it's something for Christ. And I'm challenging the church. If you want to see the power of God in the community, healing is present wherever it's obvious God reigns. The woman with the issue of blood, she was not according to tradition. She didn't follow the rules. She was sick. She was supposed to stay in the house. Yet, when she gets to Jesus, she didn't sit down and listen to the message. She didn't hear Jesus had died for her sins. She did not hear that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. The man with the withered hand didn't hear that. The man born blind did not get the gospel like you think it's supposed to be given. Believe in Jesus Christ who died and rose on the third day and is sitting at the right hand of heaven and you'll be saved. That ain't how they got it. They didn't have that message. That's an important message, but that's not the message. Jesus never said to anybody, do you believe that I'm going to die? Yes, Lord. Do you believe that I'm going to get up on the third day? Yes, Lord. Do you believe that I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father making an intercession for you? Yes, Lord. Now I'll be healed. That ain't what he did. The proof is he was still living. Hadn't died. But yet, I would say the woman at the well was saved. I would say the blind man got saved. I would say Nicodemus got saved. I would say all of those people he did miracles on got saved. And we look at them and rejoice. But do we ever stop and see, how did they get it? Because we tell people, Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He don't even say that part. But and believe in your heart that Christ, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And we go, praise God, you did it. And we end it right there. You drop folks off at the door. How do you expect they're going to live being dropped off at the door? Jesus said in Matthew, a little further down, again, I'm not that good, so I'm not quoting it, but you're familiar with it. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a precious pearl in a field. And he hid the pearl back and ran off and bought the field so he could own the pearl. In other words, he's trying to say to you and I, the kingdom of God actually possesses all the riches that you long for. Everything that you want is in the kingdom. It's not in the world. It's worth your time and effort. Everything you got, pay the cost to get the kingdom. It's in our Bible study. Pay the cost to get the kingdom. It's prayer meeting. Pay the cost to get the kingdom. It's worth it. 
But what about my family? It's worth it. You will never lose more, Jesus told his disciples, when they said, I had given up everything to follow you. He said, no, you didn't. You exchanged it because you would never lose more than you gained from the kingdom. My father is rich in houses and land. Not just a spiritual thing. God wants to bless your financial life, your physical life, your emotional life, your, your, your relational life, your social life. It's all included. Kingdom. And when you and I believe that, we'll challenge ourselves at the level of our small priorities. For if you'll rule over little, I'll make you rule over much. If you can't rule your personal passions, can't put you in front of the city hall. If you can't control your traditional thinking and surrender it to Christ, why would I put you up in public? Because you're going to boast traditions, and I need the kingdom out. The gospel of this kingdom, Matthew says in 24, must be preached to the whole world. The gospel of the kingdom must be preached. Listen, we have a great opportunity in this church. We're small enough to get the kingdom message without making too many mad people. If you're a big church, we'd have to fight a lot of stuff because the kingdom means Christ is in charge and someone have to give up their deacon authority. The kingdom is about Christ being in charge and someone will have to give up their ministry vision. The kingdom of God is where Christ is in authority and someone will have to give up their ideals about church. And when Christ comes in, every other priority wars. Every other priority wars. And you have to be ahead of time decided. He is Lord. He's king. His way is the way. I submit my ways to his ways. I don't feel like it. It's not who I think I am. It's not what I believe about myself. But he said it. Gideon, a few other folk in the Bible, that you are mighty men and women of valor. You are royal priesthood. A holy nation, people with power, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Which one will you believe now? The authority of the king who said it or the emotions that run high in you that say you're not? The evidence that you don't have to support that? The proof of your past failures and your past hurts? Which would you believe? God says to you right now, if you're in a hurting place, I have deliverance for you today. But your situation doesn't evidence that. But that's what the king says. Come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Ask, and it shall be given to you. That's his promise. Can you trust his promise? Or will you surrender to that other voice of priority that's saying it's uncomfortable? I'm shy. I'm not used to that. I don't know what to say. I can't figure how that's going to work. I'm not sure. Let me think about it. I need to pray about it. Can you trust God? Is he Lord? Is he sovereign? Would you give him rule over the small domains of your individual life? See, we can teach community as much as we want to. But until every one of us recognize and determine that we want to see him on the throne in every level, community won't work. Won't work. Christ has to rule me as an individual and I have to come under his rulership as an individual in order for the community to experience his total authority. That's why God put out people who didn't, didn't have faith because he's doing a new thing. This is a culture and a kingdom. It flows into community. Does that make any sense?
Now I want to challenge you. Can I? Last, last week you helped me uh, before that, last week before last. You helped me because I asked you to step out of your alliances with your traditions and stuff like that and your culture, right? I'm asking you now, hey, listen, it'd be good to know that when Pastor Steve come back up, he knows he's got a church full of people who are determined to demonstrate that Jesus is Lord. Wouldn't that be a powerful place to be? That if you could just say to your friends, come with me. And you ain't got to tell them what's going to happen. Just come with me. And they don't know you're taking them to a place where Christ reigns. And they walk in and get healed. They're so excited that they just want to get close so they can touch it. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to come to every Sunday? I hope we can have that place. If you believe that with me, I'm just going to ask you to do something in a minute. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me in a minute. And I'm going to ask you in your own way, you have to do this for yourself. You have to reestablish Christ as king. You don't fight your husband and your wife because this is the way you like it. you both supposed to sit down and talk about how God wants it. Taste and preference don't rule in the kingdom. Christ rules. And if you agree to that as a part of this church, I do, so I'm standing. I have the benefit of having already been standing, so it don't feel as uncomfortable to me. But I'm challenging you. Right now, you have a priority of comfort, a priority of shame, a priority of fear. I'm going to ask you to stand with us if you can fight that priority and determine that king, the king over your life is Christ. The king is Christ. The kingdom is most important. Now, don't do it for me. This is yours. So however you feel about it is yours. But I want to see God reign. Come on, praise team. Praise and worship team, come back. Give me something. I want to see God reign. Tammy needs his healing. And Tammy, you're in the kingdom where healing reigns. You may need his deliverance, his help, his counsel. You're in the kingdom where that's freely given. And man, it'd be something to walk into a church where the worship we felt was just the way we lived. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be a place, an awesome place? If you're broken, hurting, you should be able to come to the kingdom, find help and ideals and support to get you on track. But you should come here because you know that God has a way to do that. I don't need Pastor Steve to do it. God has a way to do it. I just need to be in his presence. So would you close your eyes with me? And I just want you to picture Christ on the throne. Sitting there. Majestic. Beautiful. Fully arrayed. With power. John said the brightness of his countenance was more than I could look at. Because he had power, authority over the heavens and the earth. And everything he said came to pass. Abraham said, I don't believe the experiences of my body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Because I know there's an authority that's above my circumstances who can deliver on his promise. God, we are part of that kingdom. So as you picture him, 
I want to challenge you to submit the things you've taken responsibility for. The things that you have taken authority over or allowed another authority to reign. To submit them to him. His care. His love. His authority. As the praise team sing this song, stay in that place for a minute. Give it to him. Jesus hung out with his disciples for three and a half years, letting them come to this realization that he was Messiah, he was King, he was everything they needed. When it finally got to that point, when, it, when faith became a reality in their heart, it was time for him to go so he could release the power of God into their lives so they could take that movement wherever they went. But Tony speaking here this morning, it's the crux of everything. When that realization becomes absolutely so true that we lay down absolutely every part of our life, that's when it starts for us. That's when it starts for the movement that God wants to do now in the earth. You believe that? You are king. You are master. You are Lord. And we submit our lives to you, God. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. It's almost like we have to get born again again. <laughs> and prioritize you as Tom over absolutely everything. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 